Well, thank you, Janina, for that reading. It's a familiar passage, I hope, for many of us. Now, in our parish sermon roster, we're in the third week of a series on Philippians, which the Bible translators helpfully titles, Imitating Christ's Humility. And so it is in this context that we will explore the passage of Scripture. So I'm inviting you to come along with me as we look at what the Scriptures can say to us that will be helpful in our relationships, one with the other. God created us for relationship. Right back in Genesis, when he created Adam in chapter 2, verse 18, we read, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So in the very beginning, our mighty creator knew it was not good to be alone. And he created us for relationship. But we all know from hard-won experience that sometimes relationships are not always harmonious or as the creator intended them to be. So let me pray. Almighty and ever-living God, we are reminded in the scriptures that Paul's sole passion is to glorify Christ so that the Philippians might experience the same joy that abounds in Christ. That humility that led him to his sufferings, to his death and resurrection. As we pray now that you might open our ears and our hearts to receive the blessings of your word. And Father, please give me the right words to say that they might bring honour and glory to your name. And the people said, Amen. Now the Apostle Paul was known as the great missionary apostle whose many journeys established and encouraged many churches, Ephesus, Corinth, and here tonight, Philippi. Paul has been imprisoned for speaking out for Christ. And whilst imprisoned, he has been greatly encouraged by receiving a gift from the people of Philippian, or the, Philippi, the Philippians. He was greatly encouraged, and so he is writing to them and this fledgling congregation to encourage them. Paul is passionate. He's a passionate advocate for Christ as he exhorts the church in Philippi, just as he does to us tonight. So I have as an opening point, I want to ask you a question. If you were standing in front of a mirror, how do you see yourself? The real you. You know what I'm talking about. Do you, do you see yourself like Christ sees himself? And how does Christ see himself? He sees himself as a bond servant, as a slave, as a disciple. Friends, the way you see yourself will determine your level of service in his kingdom here on earth. The English theologian Richard Foster wrote, a natural and understandable hesitancy accompanies any serious discussion of service. We experience a fear that comes out of something like this. If I do that, people will take advantage of me. 
they're going to walk all over me. So right here, we must see there's a difference between choosing to serve and choosing to be a servant. So Charles, what do you mean? Well, when we choose to serve, we are still in charge. We decide whom we will serve and when we will serve. And if we're in charge, we'll worry a great deal about anyone stepping over us, of taking charge over us. But when we choose to be a servant, we give up the right to be in charge. There is a great freedom in this, I have to tell you. When I was a very young man in my late teens and early 20s, I was a real rat bag. And there are some people in this room who'd say I'm still an older rat bag. But uh, putting that aside, the answer is when I gave my life to Jesus, the freedom was amazing. And I hope that you've experienced that yourself in your own conversion experience. And if you haven't yet, look to Jesus. He will give you an amazing freedom to speak out, to be a true servant, to follow him. If we voluntarily choose to be taken advantage of, then we cannot be manipulated. When we choose to be a servant, we surrender the right to decide when we will serve. We become available and at the same time vulnerable. But we trust that our saviour will care for us and accept our servant heart for what it is. Now, in the big rescue Bible, I don't know about you, but in our house, we've got quite a few different types of Bibles and quite a few translations. And the big rescue Bible was the one that Olivia loved, my daughter, when she was a little girl coming to kids' church. And that translation says of this same passage, Christ encourages us. And his love comforts us. God's spirit unites us. And we are concerned for others. It's a really wonderful, simple translation of the NIV, which is more accurate to the original Hebrew, but it is a simple and easy statement for us to understand. It goes on to say, be united in what you think just as if you were one person with Christ. In 1 Peter 4.10, we read, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now, if we can identify the gift that our Saviour has graced us with, then we should be doing everything to honour God, should we not? And in verse 11 it says, do you have a gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have a gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God will supply you then everything you do will bring glory to God through his son, Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Do I hear an amen somewhere? The gifts you have belong to Jesus. 
and to us, the body of Christ. To not serve in ministry is the epitome of selfishness. I don't wish to be insulting, but that is the truth. Statistics say that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. So this night, I challenge you to ask the question of yourself, are you in the 20% or the 80%? Sadly, these statistics apply as just as much to churches as they do to the secular world. Now, I think in the past I've shared this with, the, with you. I think this congregation, I may have shared this particular uh, story, but more than 20 years ago, before Tony and Debbie had come to Camden, I had been regularly engaged in music ministry and leading services, and I felt that that was my gift. It was my service to our Saviour. So when Tony came to Camden, he knew right away that being a multi-church parish, he could not do everything. And so he planned to run a series of preaching workshops to skill up people to go on a visiting preacher's roster. The assistant minister at the time, I was in his Bible study, and he challenged me and I said to him straight away, look, my ministry has been music and leading. I think that's what God called me to do to which he metaphorically leaned across and gave me a good clip under the lug. And he said, it's not for you to decide which gifts God will honour. Do the training. And as they say, the rest is history. Now, some years later, I was talking at our five o'clock service. We used to have a five o'clock service down in the hall. And I was asked by one of our young adults, I... Um, I, I don't really know what my gift is, so how can I be useful? And my reply, do you know how to clean? And he looked at me as if I was talking a foreign language. It was a young man, cleaning, not his thing. Do you know how to say hello? And he said, oh yeah. I said, well, there's a welcoming ministry that you could become involved in. Do you know how to teach? Oh yeah. Well, then you could get involved in kids ministry. Do you play an instrument or do you sing? You could be involved in the music ministry. Are you a techo? Are you good with all the knobs and making the sound work and the lights come on and off? Can you make the projector work? The multimedia ministry. In a church this size, we have lots of things that people need to do. I challenge you, friends, don't wait for a voice from the burning bush. If you see something that needs doing, and you can help, just bog in and help. Tim said, we've got a working bee next week. We've got prayer meeting, eight o'clock, working bee, nine o'clock. In a property this big, there is constantly work to be done. Now, you might say, well, I'm not really handy, but I'll have a go. Just in the examples I gave, if you can use a broom to sweep, you can help. If you can use a whippersnipper, we've got one or two, or three. If you've never done it and you'd like to learn how to use the right on mower, we'll teach you how to do it properly and safely. Just come along and help. Because, friends, if you are helping and you are doing it to honour God, then he will bless your efforts abundantly. You can all breathe. 
So stop sitting in the pew waiting for your dream job to come along. Roll up your sleeves and get busy. God will bless you if you come with a servant heart. But let's not believe that it's what I'm saying. Let's have a look at what the scriptures say. In John 13, verse 16, it says, I tell you the truth, slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Did you hear that? Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Jesus, the creator, becomes the creation and does something that no sovereign, no king, no ruler, no monarch has ever done in human history. He provides us with the perfect template of service. Any guess what scripture I might be referring to? It's where Jesus stoops down to wash his disciples' feet. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We have the perfect example of a servant in our Saviour. Now, does that mean that we'll automatically think like Jesus because we are united with him in faith? Not necessarily. Does it mean that Jesus displayed a certain mindset that we have to adopt in our relationship with one another? Well, I hope so. It is true that our union with Christ brings tremendous spiritual blessings. But this particular passage emphasises that Christ is our perfect pattern. He is the image of whom we must be conformed to. That's not me talking, that's Romans 8.29. We are called to think like him. Be united in what you think. Don't be jealous or proud. Be humble and consider others more important than yourselves. Paul wanted the Philippians to experience the joy that abounds in Christ's humility. So it's always useful if he wants us to uh, experience joy, then what is joy? We have a simple definition on the screen. Joy. Jesus, others, and you. It's one of the simplest and easiest to remember. If you want a a life filled with joy, then have Jesus first, others second, and us at the bottom. Our passage today is helpfully titled in our Bibles, Imitating Christ's Humility. And so it is that if we're in a troubled by a relationship with a partner or a parent or a sibling, believe that at the heart of this struggle, it can be completely honest with ourselves. We are not applying the simplest of definitions. The apostle was telling the Philippians to be considerate of one another, just as Christ was. When God entered into human history by sending his son to be born a human parents, despite being a divine member of the Godhead, what's the Godhead? The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus came from before all time. 
He was a member of the Holy Trinity before the world was created. And this same Jesus came to live as a human being. When we think at Easter of the incredible passion of our Lord, he needed only to lift a finger and summon the hosts of heaven to lift him out of that torment. But did he? No, because he had come with a servant heart to save us. So in thinking about that, this Jesus who existed before ever time was born as a human man and yet remained divine. He remained a part of the Godhead right up until that time when in the garden he said, if there is any way of letting this cup pass by me, may it be so. And what was his next word? But your will be done, Father. He remained a servant and humbled himself unto death and death on a cross. So Paul is saying to us today, take a moment and examine your own relationships. Do you have joy in your lives? Is this a missing ingredient? If it is, then we need to exercise that self-sacrificing love that Jesus exhibited during his time on earth. Then we might just experience his unconditional joy in our lives. It sounds so simple, doesn't it? In verse 5 to 11, Paul entreats us to be like-minded. If we're able to be like-minded in our relationships, then communication is the key. Oh, yeah, good. Thanks, Charles. That's all helpful. Yeah. Sounds like a bit of modern jingoism, really. Now, there was a book published back in the early 1990s called Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus. It took a lighthearted look at the differences in men and women and how they affect relationships. Men and women are fundamentally different. I take it you'd notice that. Good. In modern computer parlance, women have more RAM in their brains and mere males just crash as soon as we're overloaded. The well-used cliche that God gave us two ears to hear and one mouth to speak meant that we could listen twice as much. It's not too far from the truth, is it? If we're having trouble with someone else, it's probably because we're not listening. To succeed, Paul is telling us our attitude, our attitude should be that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality God to be something to be grasped. Now, Adam had no right to consider himself equal to God in the garden, did he? Back in Genesis. Yet Christ Jesus did not try to grasp for equality with God despite the fact that he was part of the Trinity. God did not consider that, or Jesus did not consider that he should grasp that. He didn't seek equality with God. He knew his role. If we seek to model ourselves on Christ in our relationships, 
The scripture is clear. And friends, the scriptures don't lie. If we do, we will share in tremendous spiritual benefits. What does the scripture say? In your relationships with one another, have the same mindsets as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He humbled himself. Can you see where that joy definition has been derived from now? So in any relationships based on the scripture, if we imitate what Jesus did, what did he do? Jesus placed himself, placed others ahead of himself. And then you are interchangeable if you are both exercising Christ's humility. Does that make sense? You can be a you and an other. Because if you are both living in Christ, then you're never going to be arguing with each other because Christ won't argue with himself. He doesn't need to. Research tells us that more marriages and relationships fail from inflexibility and unwillingness to change than from abuse or adultery a very sobering statistic in this modern world. So as we care for one another in a relationship, be it a partner, a parent, a sibling, or a friend, or a colleague, let us pray that we might imitate Christ and humble ourselves and put others first, just as Jesus does. What did the scripture tell us? We are promised rich rewards in heaven. Verse 5. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. You know, I've heard it said that the best relationships are threesomes. Now, don't jump to the wrong conclusion there. What do I mean? A threesome consists of you and me and Christ. The best relationships revolve on Christ. If you and I are both depending upon our saviour, then it's the best relationship we could ever be in. When Christ is part of your life together, that is, he is in you, then Christ's not going to argue that relationship will be true like-mindedness. Paul tells us to, it's never too late. It's never too late. Even if our relationships are fractured and damaged, apparently beyond repair, by the trials and tribulations of life, there is a remedy, and his name is Jesus. No matter where we might be at, 
if we're prepared to imitate Christ's humility and his honesty and we set aside our differences and seek his face, no matter how broken our relationship is, there will be room to inject joy if we're prepared to make the first move. Friends, Jesus has already won the victory. He is waiting with his arms open wide to welcome you. Minor changes can make major differences if our lives follow that simple model of Jesus, others and you. So in conclusion, we return to our verse of the day, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Let me pray. Lord God, it is only by your grace that we have been adopted into your family of forgiven sinners. We pray that we might take today's lesson to heart and seek to imitate Christ's humility in our lives so that our relationships might bring honour and glory to your holy name. For we pray it in Christ's precious name. Amen.